how to influence others through storytelling, what the two goals of your brain are and how to use it to your advantage, how to eradicate imposter syndrome, how to dream big, how to gain perspective on your own problems, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, six, nine, with StoryBrand Chief of Teaching and Facilitation, Dr. JJ Peterson. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Is life a little overwhelming right now? Do you feel like you're trying to do so many things, especially here at the beginning of the year, but you can't quite keep everything under control? If so, that's why I created the Best You Membership, to help go-getters like yourself move from overwhelmed to organized and in control of their life. If you want to learn how to keep all six areas of your life, health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational, all organized and under control, then go to nickcarrier.com slash membership. Again, nickcarrier.com slash membership. I'm super excited for today's episode. Today, you are going to love. Dr. JJ Peterson is StoryBrand Chief of Teaching and Facilitation. StoryBrand and Business Made Simple are companies created by Donald Miller, who you may have heard before. And those two companies help businesses clarify their marketing and messaging, and they help their other businesses run smoothly and fly like an airplane. I've been a consumer of their content for over two and a half years now, and I've watched JJ on video for courses and podcasts for hours and hours. So I was super excited to bring him on the show to have him on my own because I knew the kind of value that he'd be able to bring to you all today. Before diving in, be sure you're subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share the episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Dr. JJ Peterson. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I am super excited today to be joined by the one and only Dr. JJ Peterson. JJ, I just want to start it off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Oh, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've enjoyed listening to you over the last number of years on Story Brand and, and Business Made Simple and, and now Marketing Made Simple. Uh, as well. And so I've been super excited. Like, you know, to me, it's like, oh my gosh, it's JJ in the flesh. Uh, so it's, it's, it's cool for me to, to have you, have you here since I've been a fan for a while. Uh, you're the story brand chief of teaching and facilitation, but basically the way I want to get started today is I know you have your master's degree in, in theology and the arts. And one of the things that I've heard you talk about before is how you did your dissertation on story. So I just kind of want to start by talking a little bit about what you really researched and and what were some of the biggest things that you learned from your research and that you wrote on? Yeah. So yes, my master's was in theology and the arts, the study of story and film and television. And my master's degree thesis was actually a 30 minute sitcom that I wrote that was an exegetical tool for the book of Ecclesiastes. So (laughs) so that's what I did for my master's work, but just study of basically like, you know, theology is essentially what's, what do we believe about God and each other? Right. And so, or the other and each other. And so that's kind of what it was really study and film and television, music and communication. And then my PhD is in communication and my dissertation in my PhD was on basically narrative marketing. So how does narrative marketing works? Is it effective? How do you tell a good story in your marketing? And, you know, one of the things that I really focused in on is this whole 
idea of how does story influence us, right? How does story work to move people? And if you go all the way back to Aristotle and Plato in Poetics and some of the early writings that they did, you see that they would argue that story is the fastest and strongest way to move culture. And they got even so in-depth in like, if you want to move the masses, you use comedy. And if you want to move the elite, you use drama. And there's all of this research and theory behind it. And so I began kind of starting there of going, how do you actually move people to action? And they would argue that story is the best way to do that. Then I kind of went into this communication theory called narrative transportation. So a study of the idea of like, when you watch a movie that is a you know great movie and you cry in it or you cheer for the hero or you you know jump when something scary happens you've experienced what we call narrative transportation you've actually put yourself in the story maybe you don't imagine yourself there but your emotions are there right and we do this all the time you do it in books like if you ever say i got lost in a book or you know i remember um, a long time ago, actually praying for characters in a book. Like, mm. <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, you know, I was so into the book that I was like, dear God, please protect me. I was like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. they're not actually sick, you know? And so that's, that's called narrative transportation when you put yourself in the story. Now, what communication scholars have discovered is that the higher level of narrative transportation people experience. So the more they see themselves in the characters and in the story, the more likely their actions and their, even just their thoughts are to be impacted. So the better the story or the more you put yourself in the story, the more you are changed, both your thoughts and your actions. And then kind of the next level of study is really then, so how do you make that happen? What are the rules of story? How do you create narrative transportation in people to make them move? So that was kind of my, the basis for my dissertation is really going, how do you get people to move to action? The best way is story. And the better the story, the more impact the research shows you actually have on people. And then how do you tell a good story? So that's kind of where I went down and then ultimately moved it into the marketing space. And there's research that shows that obviously like a good website or a good video or a good, you know, story from the stage can move people to action, but people can actually experience narrative transportation in as little as an Instagram post and a tweet. So you, as somebody who motivates people to action and achieve their goals, that simply by actually by doing a post well on Instagram or doing a post well on Twitter, you have the ability to call people to be the best versions of themselves if they can see themselves in the story and they are more likely to move. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard you talk. I had forgotten that phrase going into this, but I remember I've heard you say narrative transportation so many times, and that is definitely such a powerful thing because everybody listening I know has had that experience numerous and numerous times uh, of feeling that way, both like when you said when watching a movie or or reading a book. And so it's definitely super powerful. So I'm not going to make you go into the all like the story brand framework or anything like that, but there's probably a lot of people who are thinking like, okay, I'm trying to influence other people to a certain amount because we are, whether or not we're an influencer or we have a business, we're trying to influence certain people to do or think certain things. So if I was just like having a 
conversation with with somebody else, what are some things that I can implement or, or think about implementing when having that conversation with that person to make what I'm saying a little bit more impactful for the other person? Yeah. So at StoryBrand, what we do is we teach people how to tell good stories in their marketing and messaging, right? So because so many companies are so close to their products and services that they just are really not able to explain it clearly in a way that breaks through the noise in the marketplace. Because we, you know, as consumers, we see between three and 5,000 commercial messages a day. And so our brains are actually designed to turn, tune out most of that noise, right? And so the ones that get through are the ones that are clear. And we use story and story framework to help people create a clear message. Well, there are really seven elements to every good story. And I'll just kind of say them really quickly, but I want to give kind of two really practical things that people can focus in on to start this process of beginning to communicate more clearly and actually move people to action. So in any good story, there is a character who wants something. And so we identify right at the beginning of a movie or book, there's a character, a protagonist, a hero. Typically, it's one person. It could be a group, but it's one person. And we know within the first about 10 minutes of a movie what that character wants. And it has to be really clear. It has to be one thing. Then in order for the story to get good, that character has to encounter a problem. And that problem happens pretty early on in the film, because if a character just is like, I want to start a bakery and then just starts a bakery, that's a really boring story, right? And so we need a problem that engages, that gets in the way of what that hero wants. Then the audience basically knows that the hero can't solve this on their own or they wouldn't be in the situation to begin with. So they um, meet a guide someone who actually helps them overcome this problem. Someone who has already been there, done that, the Yoda in the story, the Gandalf in the story, the Hamish in the story, somebody who helps them overcome the problem. Then the guide gives them a plan. There's always a plan in a movie. Think about how many times you hear the word, what's the plan or here's the plan in a movie. Then there's a moment where they are called to action that the hero must be in or out. And then we as an audience know that this can end in tragedy and failure, or it can end in success, right? So those are really the seven elements, character, problem, guide, plan, call to action, success, and failure. That's what makes a, a the, in its most simple form, every good story has to have those pieces. So what we do is we go in and help people create messaging points for all seven. But I would say if you are going to focus on and begin the process of going, how do I become a better communicator and how do I engage people more? Two things that you really need to focus on are your character's problem, the customer's problem. So here's the big paradigm shift in the story brand framework. Whenever you're communicating about your product or service, you are not the hero of the story. Don't ever tell your story. Tell your customer's story and position yourself as the guide in their story who can help them overcome their problems. So when you begin talking about yourself as somebody who understands your audience's problem, your customer's problem, and you just talk about their problems over and over and over again, you begin to invite people into a story because they go, yes, that's my story. Those are my problems. So the first thing I would say is identify what problems you can solve for people. Very simply, 
just what problem do you solve for people as a speaker, as an influencer, as a business? What do you solve for people? And just name it and name that. And we call that the external problem. And then the second thing you want to do is name how that makes people feel. And so let's just say for you, you are getting ready to say, post something on Instagram. It's the beginning of the year and you want to motivate people to reach their goals this year. What you want to do is you want to identify what is the problem that most people experience when they are starting off a new year and trying to reach their goals. Well, you might say something like, you know, so many people at the beginning of every year feel overwhelming pressure to do everything in January. So that's like the first thing, like people really struggle with that. And then how does that make them feel? Well, that actually makes them feel very defeated and overwhelmed. So just by naming those problems, anybody who you can help will begin to say, yes, that's my story. That's my story. Then the second thing that I want all the listeners to focus in on is how do you position yourself as a guide to help those people solve the problem? So if you're going to focus on two things in the framework that I just gave you, focus on customer problem and positioning yourself as the guide. So the first thing would be, and, and is identify that problem. People get overwhelmed and really struggle with um, trying to feel like they need to accomplish everything in January, right? Now you position yourself as a guide with empathy and authority. Those are two pieces that have to be there for you to position yourself as the guide in a customer story. So you say something then like, I get it. I used to do that myself. I used to try to put down 500 resolutions to accomplish by the end of January. So you're just identifying, I am like you, that's empathy. And then you say, but I found a way to move forward that keeps things really simple. And I've actually helped over a hundred people accomplish their goals by the end of the year. That's authority, right? So name the problem, then empathize with the problem, and then talk about how you've solved that problem for other people. That's authority. If you can do those two things, when you're communicating anything, I don't care if you get up on stage and are giving a speech, don't get up there and go, hey, uh, you know, the, a big mistake might be for me to get up on stage and go, hey, I'm Dr. JJ Peterson. Um, you know, I'm here. At, boy, I just flew into my arms tired, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> to like, get people to like me and to like connect with me and, and think I'm funny, um, which that joke would not do it. But, you know, that's the mistake amateurs make when they get up, when they start communicating is they want people to like them. And so they get up and they start talking about themselves. You know, I, I you know, I usually don't introduce myself with my title or my studies, right? <laughs> yeah. But because that's my story, until I've positioned myself in a way that says, the reason these things matter is because you matter. Your problems matter. Your struggles matter. So I'm going to name it. So when I get up on stage, I start out like, say, I'm at a conference and I say, we are all here because we want to grow our business. But the problem is our marketing is confusing and overwhelming, and it's actually turning customers off. We are losing money because we do not know how to communicate clearly. And in fact, and then I make it worse. In fact, you probably have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on websites and logos that just aren't performing. Well, there's a reason. It's because you're telling the wrong story. I get it. I actually used to do this exact same thing. I used to be the head of public relations and marketing for the largest international short-term missions organization in the world. 
And I would sit down at my computer and try to figure out how do I craft an email that gets people to donate and change people's lives. It was so overwhelming. But when I began to understand that story is the most powerful tool that you can use to change people's mind, I began to say huge amounts of difference. And now I've actually helped thousands of companies all over the world do this exact same thing. See what I just did? I didn't say, I'm a doctor. I've done this. I used to do this or like I, some obscure fact. I was, I was actually in a Missy Elliott music video and like, I don't get up and go. So when I was with Missy Elliott, like I don't do that. I say, here's what you want. You want to grow your business, but here's the problem. I get that problem because I experienced it myself. And here's how I've begun to move forward and solve it. And I've helped a lot of other people do it. So just even by saying those two things, even in a shorter context, when you're getting up to give a speech, when you're creating an Instagram post, when you're writing an email, when you want to create an about me or about us section on your website, don't say about us on our website. Don't say, you know, we love helping people. No, don't say that. Say, we've seen so many people experience this problem. We have had that problem ourselves and here's how we've solved it for other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, y'all, those last 10 minutes was like a masterclass in and of itself. If you didn't, weren't taking notes, you need to go back and, and take notes on those d- seven different things on empathy and authority on all that stuff. Because like you said, it's applicable to so many different things that you're doing, but it's, it's also applicable when you're having any kind of really conversation with somebody, because if you want to try to influence somebody and you're having a conversation and you realize like they're not listening to you, it's probably because you're not you're talking about yourself the entire time and you need to be more curious about that person and hear what that person's going through and then talk to them more about that than about yourself and if and so on and so forth. And I just think it's it's so applicable. So if you didn't take notes on any of that, then I, I, I want to make sure you do that. And that's just a small glimpse of what you can expect from a, any uh, from absorbing any of their content. So uh, that was awesome. Well, thanks. And, you know, and it's so true. And here's the thing is for me, I really did used to struggle like when I worked in nonprofit or when I was a speaker or when I was a consultant or something, I always felt like I had to make myself sound great. And that's just not, I, I, I always said, I'm not a marketer. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a sales guy. I literally said those words over and over and over. I'm not a marketer. I'm not a sales guy. But in order for me to actually grow my business back when I was a solopreneur, I felt like I had to be what I considered a marketer sales guy. And what that meant is making me sound good and brag about myself. And when you recognize that everybody every day wakes up the hero of their own story and they're not looking for another hero to help them, right? If I position myself as a hero in your life and you're the hero of your life, now we're in competing stories, right? So it all of a sudden, let's say even as a trainer, if all if you're like talking about yourself all the time, then I'm sitting there as somebody who is like trying to work with you and go, he doesn't actually care about me. He only cares about winning for himself, making himself look good. So if you're just talking about like if every time like I'm doing crunches, you're pulling up your shirt and go look at these abs, like it, it's we're not gonna last very long in relationship because I go, you're only doing this to win for yourself. And so when, when you understand everybody thinks of themselves as the hero in their story and they're not looking for another hero to help them, they're looking for a guide. And that when you understand that and begin communicating that way, not only is it more effective, but for me, it was actually relieving because I no longer had to 
puff myself up or try to make this list of accomplishments or, you know, differentiate myself by my own, like I'm better than everybody else. Nope. What I'm better at is understanding your problems and helping devise a plan to help you win. That's it. That's all I have to talk about. And that's how I grow. And that's how you grow. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you touched on that last part because, you know, when I first started my business and started training people, I always said, like, I, I don't like selling. I don't like selling myself. But then when you realize, no, the way that you sell is you get to know your customer's problems so, so well. And you ask enough questions so that you know that when you're communicating and, and saying certain things that, you know, you're speaking directly towards their problem and directly towards what they desire to to get to and what it, what they desire to achieve. And then one of the things that I didn't say earlier is, you know, you talked about how a lot of people maybe step on stage and they'll try to crack a joke or they'll get people to try to like them right away. But the reality of the situation is if you stepped on stage and said the things that you actually said in the first few minutes, they don't even have to know your name and they'll like you right away and they'll trust you right away because they can see how you are going to fit in their lives and help them. Because at the end of the day, most people's brains are selfish in the sense that they're trying to figure out how they can, you know, live and, and thrive in the world. Well, it's, yes. I mean, I think that's all exactly dead on because the way that our brains are really designed are to keep us alive, right? Like our brains are designed to keep us alive. And the two main ways that our brain does that is one, it helps us focus on things that help us survive and thrive. And so we, we just do this naturally. Most people don't recognize that our brains are doing this, but like when you walk into a theater, you don't know how many seats are in that room, but you know where the exits are, right? Because our brain just filtered out or, and you don't quite know, especially right away, like how many tiles are in the ceiling and how many dots are on the floor. No, you go, where's the exits? Where's the bathroom? Where's the snacks? <laughs> That's like it because our brain naturally pays attention to things that help us survive and thrive. So if you're communicating about yourself versus communicating about how you can help your customer survive or thrive or your audience survive and thrive, their brains are literally designed to tune you out. It's a survival mechanism. And especially when they're receiving three to 5,000 commercial messages a day, there's so much noise in their brain. It goes out. Well, the second thing then the brain does. So the first thing is focus on what helps us survive and thrive. The second thing the brain does is help us try to conserve calories. And what I mean by that is you actually have a finite number of decision-making and thinking calories in your brain at any given moment. They replenish, but you have a finite number and they go down. So like, that's why you like get to a point in a meeting and you're like, I feel exhausted. I've just been sitting here all day, but I'm exhausted. Well, your brain has been burning calories. So you're exhausted. And then you get to a point where you literally can't think anymore. That's because you've exhausted all of your thinking calories in that moment. And you need to get up, you need to walk out, you need to not be on your screen. <laughs> you need to kind of just like stop thinking, almost daydream for about five minutes and your brain will replenish those thinking calories. And so, and the, that's also survival mechanism, right? So in essence, it's like, if you've been thinking a whole bunch and, you know, let's just say like uh, from an evolutionary perspective, you've been thinking a whole bunch and all of a sudden you're walking down a road and a tiger jumps out of the woods to get you and you don't have any calories left to try to escape that tiger, you're dead. So our brain 
tries to turn off, literally turn off. We, the average human daydreams about 30% of the day, and that's a survival mechanism. So our brain is designed to tune out information that does not contribute to our survival and thriving to conserve calories. It's a survival mechanism. It's not a good or bad thing um, in the sense of like, well, it's people don't have attention spans nowadays. Nope, they do. They just have so much more information being thrown at them that the way that they survive is not pay attention to things that do not contribute to their survival and thriving. So when you get up on stage and you make a joke and you like about yourself or you start talking about yourself, if I can't immediately equate that to how it's going to help me survive and thrive, I start daydreaming. I start going to my phone. I'm done. That's a survival mechanism. We're designed. And when you understand that, then I think you can communicate more clearly and effectively to your audiences. Yeah. Well, it's, I think like that one of the things that you said is, you know, we think that a lot of people don't have attention spans nowadays, but we realize, no, they're just like overstimulated. I think it also can give you a little bit of empathy towards other people with that regard um, too. But so my point is just like, there's so many, so many different ways that you can use all the information that you just talked about in the surviving and thriving and the, the two goals of the brain. But I kind of want to jump to a little bit more about you and you worked in the university system for a little bit as a professor, correct? Yep. Yep. I still, I still teach at Vanderbilt right now. Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, I don't think I realized that. And then in 2017 is when you uh, joined StoryBrand. Is that correct? So so what was, what was that transition like? Because I feel like that's jumping into a pretty different industry. Obviously you had the kind of the knowledge and the skill set for the job that you were going to, but what was, what was that transition like for you to go from kind of working at a university and then working for a business? It was really interesting because, um, I mean, my whole background is in story, you know, whether it's, you know, and, and so like whether it was doing public relations for a nonprofit or I was a youth pastor for a little while. And then I went into comedy. I did improv comedy and toured and performed for about three years and did television and film, writing, directing, and did a number of those things. And then was a professor of communication and leadership. And what I actually did is I met Donald Miller right as I was, who Donald Miller is the creator and founder of StoryBrand. And I was dean of students at a college and I invited him to come speak to my students about story, about At that point, it wasn't about marketing, but it was about how do you become the hero of your own life? How do you actually live a hero's journey out? And um, I was, I brought him in because I was leaving because I just sold a television show to a production company. And I was going to be doing a reality show with my brothers called Bad A Brothers. And the premise is that my brothers and I are so not bad A that we can't even say the word. (laughs) And... (laughs) <laughs> and so the way that we want to up our bad A reputation is by traveling around the United States and finding those old weird laws that are on the books. Like you can't cross the Minnesota border with a duck on your head, things like that. And we would research the history behind those laws and then break those laws so we could be more bad A. And so, <laughs> so he was just getting story brand started and I was just moving into more storytelling in Hollywood and we just kind of became friends. And I actually, StoryBrand workshops were just getting started. And he was like, well, why don't you come out and like brand your television show? And so when you're going into pitch meetings and things like that, 
And I kind of was like, yeah, this is, you've got this cute little thing that you're started, but I've been doing marketing for 20 years and I've been a professor and I'm in Hollywood. Like, mm, I think I can, you know, yes, I will come and I will help you. <laughs> Almost, you know, it wasn't quite like that arrogant, but it was like a little bit like, yeah, I'll come see this cute thing you're doing. And when I discovered it, and the framework and the understanding of story, it was like, this is what I've been trying to do and teach for 20 years and never named it like this. So I was literally in a workshop branding my own stuff. And there were people around me who, you know, Don was just teaching it by himself. And there were people around me who weren't quite getting it. And I was like, I understand this. And I just started helping other people around me and kind of being their guide and kind of coaching. And so Don was like, well, would you mind coming back to other workshops and coaching with me while you're launching your television show? Because in Hollywood, it's very like, hurry up and wait. So you have like one meeting and it's like, everything's going to go, 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 go. And then you sit for six months. So I started flying back and forth between LA and Nashville, because that's where StoryBrand's based, and began just helping people with their story. And I'll be really you know, honest in this moment, because you asked specifically about that transition. <laughs> So it was really interesting because some of my first few clients were like $100 million brands. And here I was, this professor from a small university and a guy who had done comedy and kind of goofy. And, you know, I, I, had, I was working on my PhD. I had the credentials, but all of a sudden I'm into these $100 million companies that I'd never been in that environment before and never helped people to that capacity. And the truth is I was very intimidated in the beginning. That transition was a little hard for me personally, because I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make a difference. But ultimately, when I didn't rely on my own my own, like, again, puffing myself up and really just moved into the place of my job is to help these people win, period. That my job isn't to win. My job is to help others win. And I have this great thing, this, I mean, this thing that I literally believe can change people's lives. And if I don't believe in myself and this framework, then I'm actually doing a disservice to them. I'm not going to be arrogant. I'm going to be humble in the truest sense, right? Like knowing my abilities and my and what I'm capable of doing, but not a false humility. False humility to me is also arrogance because it makes the story about you, right? So when you're like, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I'm doing. No, I had to step into my empathy and my authority as a guide and say, I get it. I may not have been working at a $100 million level, but I've worked at a $10, 20000000 million level pretty you know, pretty often. And I know this works. It's worked with other $100 million companies. And so me being small or me being too big did not serve the customer. And so I, I think I had to really make that mindset shift of like, I'm not the hero of the story. In fact, five years from now, they should forget my name completely. And they should be like, you know, 10 times as big as they are. But my job is to step into my confidence and step into the framework and help people win. And I think once I was able to really step into that, really in all areas of my life, see myself as a guide and not the hero, it helped me be way more free and way more confident in helping people win. And then also way more confident in telling people we're not a good fit, right? To be able to say, I'm not your guide. Like, yes. 
I can help a lot of people, but there are certain, there might be certain spaces that I go, you know what, your product is not great. And um, your plan is not great. And your team is not great. <laughs> I mean, I might not say that all to their faces. <laughs> but, and, and say what I offer is a communication framework that can help you win. And what you really need is a business coach who can help you get back on track. I'm not going to take money from people that I can't be a guide for. But when I step in and I, I am, they are my client. I know, yeah, I can help this person. And if I can't, I point them to other people who can. And so I, that's the biggest shift for me. Understanding I'm the guide, stepping into my guide-ness allowed me to not be small and not be too big, but be right who I needed to be in order to help other people win. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you sharing that because I think a lot of people have very similar experiences. You know, they they step into a space where maybe they feel like they don't belong or maybe they don't have the the credibility. But I think that's so, so key to just get the story. The story is not about you. The story is not about you. The story is about whoever it is that you're serving. And I think that is the solution. So like when people step into something that is unfamiliar or not necessarily unfamiliar, but they feel like they don't belong or, or they, they haven't been in that in there yet, then the solution to not letting that hold you back is make it not about you, make it about whoever it is that you're trying to serve and try to be empathetic and, and, and exhibit that authority to those people. Exactly. And if you don't have the authority, then find it, right? Like in the sense of, you know, say somebody wants to start out and be a marketer and they've never really done marketing before. And they're like, I'm going to start a big business and become a marketer. No, go help your friend do create two websites get them some wins, you know, where there's not a lot of stakes in the game, get them some wins. And all of a sudden now you have some authority. You maybe you've never been on the big stages as a speaker. Well then find a way to go to a chamber of commerce or somebody's Bible study, you know, something where you can kind of step in and get a little bit of authority, get a little bit of practice. You don't have to start on the biggest stages. You don't have to start with the biggest clients. Get, if you don't have authority, get small wins and then begin building on those. Mm, I think that's super, super key. Super, super key. And, and, then, and then you will build more confidence in regards to making you feel like you belong and, and you do have the authority. So that's, that's great. You know, Matt, you touched on Donald Miller and who he is briefly. And obviously I'm a big fan of Donald Miller as well. And now you've been working with him for four or five years now. What do you think is maybe one of the biggest things that you have learned from, from Don? We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, Here's what they had to say. Hey, my name is Vanessa and I joined Nick's 10 week program because I really wanted to challenge the stereotype that college kids are perpetually exhausted, stressed, and running off of mac and cheese and PB&J. Since joining Nick's 10 week program, I have had the goal of just incorporating more consistent exercise and working out four to five times a week. And so I've been able to do that. I hit my goal of getting in 50 workouts over 10 weeks, which is really exciting. And my favorite part though about the program is the things that I've taken 
how I've changed outside of the gym because of what I've done inside the gym. Like I am more disciplined, more focused human being. And I know that when I say that I'm gonna do something, the follow through is going to happen. And that's things that I've learned all through the 10 week program. And so that's been my favorite part. You should join Nick's program. Like you need this. <laughs> to dream big. That, I mean, that's the biggest thing is that, you know, one of the things he asked when I first came on staff was like, what, what are some big dreams you have? What would you like your life to be? And I kind of set out some things that I was like, and, and this is all just shared. This is literally, I was like, well, I want to own my own home again. Cause I had, I'd been living in LA, which is impossible to own a home. So I'm like, I want to own my own home. And I'd love to set my life up to where I teach maybe one class a year. And then I am able to do like one film or television show a year. And then the rest of the time I'm like working with story brand and consulting and everything. And he literally said to me, those aren't big dreams. That's what's going to happen. He's like, no, no, no. Like, do you want to run for president? Do you want to win an Oscar? Do you want to? And he was just like, that is what I'm talking about. And he really helped me set my sights much bigger than I think I had ever, you know, and even now, like the way that I live my life now is I teach one class at Vanderbilt a year, actually two classes a year at Vanderbilt. I'm involved in media and film production through our stuff. And then I consult people the rest of the year and I own my own home in East Nashville. So within four years, five years, I've actually achieved everything that I thought was a giant dream at the time. And he, it just was like, no, dream big, 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 and set your aspirations really high. Like even create, like, what do you want your eulogy to be? Like, what do you want somebody to say about you when you die? And that I think has been the biggest thing for me. Um, and you know, uh, one of my mentors before him, uh, this guy named Scott Congdon, who runs an organization called Amore that builds homes. It's a nonprofit I used to work for that builds homes in uh, border cities, mostly in Mexico. And he really taught me about is the idea that failure actually is an option and it's not a bad thing, <laughs> right? Like, that, like everybody goes, failure is not an option. It's like, no, actually failure is an option, but it's only really failure if you don't learn from it. And so I think the combination of those two things of like Don teaching me to dream bigger than I ever thought and Scott teaching me to actually fail. Like you're not going to do huge things if you don't fail and um, here and there. And so uh, try to do things that you can't, that you didn't think you were capable of doing and, um, and be okay when you learn from the failures. So I think that's the biggest, because it's just crazy to me what I've already accomplished because of being connected with him and what I've been able to do and then where life is headed next. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, first off, that's super inspiring. Uh, congrats on already having that stuff kind of accomplished. But I really think those two, those messages go hand in hand, right? Because somebody might say to dream big, but the stifling thing about that might be somebody who is afraid that what if I don't get there or what if I screw up on the way, but it's like, no, it's fine. It actually should happen. Then that can allow you and give you more confidence to dream big. Is that, do you feel like that is what of, what allowed you to like live into dreaming big? Do you think? Because it's one thing for somebody to, to say it, but what do you think sh allowed you to continually shifting shift your mind to actually think bigger? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different factors. You know, like my parents had a huge factor in things. You know, because I could always 
you know, for the longest time I could always be like, well, I can go live on my parents' couch and I'll be fine. You know, so like my parents and family upbringing had to do with it. But I think a lot of it is that for me, and I know this is easier said than done, and but I never wrapped my worth up in those successes. I, I didn't kind of place my identity in being this or being this, being this, you know. I'll give you an example of a big failure, big failure, quote unquote, is that like our television show never made it to TV, right? So I spent two years, we filmed a sizzle reel and pilot, we pitched it to everybody and we got signed. And then we went to networks and one network in particular was ready to sign us and their lawyers killed it. And then all the other networks that wanted it killed it. And then we made two more television shows and all, I mean, and all this stuff. And, but my identity was never wrapped up in being a TV star. It was always in, you know, kind of like helping people and enjoying life. Like I've kind of always said, if, if I can, trust the people that I work with and believe in what we're doing, then I can sweep floors. You know, that's really always been my mentality. And I'm also single and have no kids. So it also makes it easy. You know, so there's a lot of other factors that I know that like in my life are not prescriptive of saying like, well, just don't have kids and don't get married and have great parents and you'll be fine. There's some things in my life that you can't really, that I think contributed to some of the reason why I could take bigger risks. But the biggest things for me is I, I was I was okay with failure because my identity was not wrapped up in those things. And anytime I, I've seen over and over, anytime my identity did get wrapped up in those things, then those things actually became really scary, right? It became really scary and hard because there was way too much to lose. Because I wasn't just losing like my job, I was losing who I am. And there are moments that that happened. And when that happened, that's when life got really scary and I had to step back from it a little bit. But I also, I just have, I have an adventurous spirit. One of the things that I really believe in is like, if you keep your world small, then your problems take up a much bigger place in your world. But if you keep your world big, your problems are the same size. They don't shrink because your world gets bigger. Your problems stay the same size, but they take up so much less space. So, you know, when I was 18, I decided to leave the country every year. And I, I was able to do it until 2020 because of the pandemic, literally. So for 20 some odd years, I left the country every year, even if it was just driving to Mexico when I lived in California, I left the country every year to keep my world big. And when my world becomes small, my problems take up a huge percentage of it. But if I keep my world big, my problems are still there, but they just are in perspective of the rest of the world. So there's things like that, that I think I just try to live by and work with and I don't do it all perfectly. I fail a lot in it, but I keep ideally striving forward and and moving. Yeah. Damn, that was good. That last part was awesome. When the world is small, your problems take up more of it. And then it's when it's bigger, it takes up less of it. I think that's so true because like I know for me, if I am just sitting in my room on the computer working all day for even if it's just like four or five hours just sitting here. And then like a thought of a problem comes up, it becomes such a huge deal. But if I'm interacting with people and doing things throughout the day, I'm like, okay, Dick, like the world is not just you here. There's other people <laughs> and there's, uh, it definitely takes up a lot less space. So I, I think that was super key and super critical, but I want to get down to the last question here. But before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you're doing to help so many different people and so many different businesses to clarify their message uh, in a way that 
allows them to get through to their customers and really solve their problem at a high level. And then you've I've, obviously, like I've said up to this point, you've done so much help for me and, and me personally and me and my business as well. And so I want to acknowledge you for that and also acknowledge you for being open about your your story and talking about the difficulty of kind of the transition from kind of the universities to, to being with StoryBrand. I think that was going to impact a lot of people. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Well, uh, I know people are going to want to go learn more about you and more, learn more about StoryBrand. So make sure you guys go follow JJ at Dr. JJ Peterson on Instagram. You can also go learn more about StoryBrand at storybrand.com. Um, you can also go listen to his podcast. Uh, where are the, Where else should people go learn more and I think those are the main ones. I mean, uh, on the socials, the uh, Instagram is the one I'm most connected with. And then, yeah, storybrand.com. That talks about kind of the workshops that we do where you come and you actually go over two days. We help you kind of create the talking points for your message and creating a clear story. And I teach and Donna Miller teaches and you actually do it with a coach. A coach goes with you over that two days, helping you craft a clear message to grow your business. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, last question here, JJ, is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't know if we ever get to that best version. And I think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best JJ Peterson that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? So I would say in this season in particular, one of the things I could work on is grace for myself and others. And I mean that in the sense of we've all been in a pandemic for two years <laughs> and I don't think we fully realize the trauma and the impact that has on our souls, on our minds and on our bodies. And in those moments when it feels very self-defeating and that you haven't accomplished everything you wanted to and you know you haven't done the things and you don't know why you're not picking up your room the way you used to i think start with grace you know and for yourself and for others so i think that's the biggest thing that i've kind of i want to do and then the other thing that i i don't know this isn't going to be succinct but it's just something i was just realizing is in that pandemic kind of stuff, I realized that probably in the last year, my mindset was really more about holding on until this was done. So it was like getting through versus crafting a life in the midst, right? Like, so I think the thing that I'm working on right now, and especially as we're launching, you know, a new year is going, okay, 2021 for me was really about holding on and just going, okay, when this is done, like, I just need to kind of survive this right now. But really, it's shifting into that mindset of, nope, this may not end for another year. Okay, so let's actually figure out how I thrive in the midst of this. So it's shifting from survival to thriving. And it doesn't mean I have to take gigantic leaps, but it does mean that like on Tuesdays, now I go play pickleball. You know, <laughs> like it's small things that I know that are good for me that move me out of survival into thriving. So Grace figuring out what a mindset shift looks like for me to thrive in this. And then just a very practical thing for me, you know, which is not novel, but it's pay attention to my sleep. I mean that like, if I actually get good amount of sleep and drink the right amount of water, it changes everything. And we all know this, 
we all know it. It's like when I, people used to ask me, what's the big, what, like, what's the biggest tip you give people on speaking? And I say, wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> like when your feet are sore, like you're, you're crabby, you know? So like when you're a professor, when you're teaching, and it really is for my life, like I would say 40 to 50% of my attitude and problems can be shifted if I go to bed by 1030 and I drink eight glasses of water. I can do those two things. It changes everything for me. So, so I don't know if that's novel, but that's my truth. <laughs> no, that's critical. Sometimes it's the simple things that ha- that give us the most leverage to uh, operate at a high level on a daily basis. But those were three great things. And man, I knew this was going to be good today, but you uh, blew my expectations out of the water. And, and I'm not just saying that. That was that was awesome today, JJ. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks. No problem. Thanks for having me. That was such an awesome episode with JJ. I really, really, really hope that y'all were taking some notes during that, especially during the narrative transportation part. And when he was talking about the seven elements of story and how to influence people through story. Now, be sure you dive in more into this topic and JJ's content with StoryBrand at storybrand.com. I've personally been digesting StoryBrand's content and Business Made Simple's content for over two and a half years now. and has literally changed my personal life and it's changed my business and it can do the same for you. And be sure you follow JJ on Instagram at Dr. JJ Peterson. Remember to dream big and remember that failure is a thing and it should be a thing. And remember not to wrap your worth up in your work or in your successes because then the failures will take you down. I think that was one of the coolest things that JJ said is don't wrap up your self-worth in your successes. And lastly, one of the things that hit me the hardest was when your world is small, your problems are going to take up more of it. But when your world is big, you don't take up as much space. That allows you to really keep perspective on what's going on in your own life. I hope you all enjoyed this episode with JJ. Be sure you give it a five-star rating and review on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or a family member and be sure to take action on what JJ talked about today so that you can get closer and closer to your best you.